We've been studying chronological, the Bible from the chronological standpoint, I guess the best way to describe it. The Hebrew language, the alphabets, all have a numeric value. Think about that. What you're reading is words, it's also numbers. It's vast, it's God's word, which means it's inexhaustible. And there's, there's things we'll learn in time to come that we never would imagine. They talk about DNA, whereas you look at a seashore with places where the water rippled through it, leaving marks. <clears throat> by nature DNA is like reading Bob Loves Mary written in the sand that could only happen with somebody doing it they say they know about 2% of what there is to know about DNA well don't be surprised if our extend that our days are numbered anyway as we know from the book of Job don't be surprised if we someday don't find out that our so what some people like to call expiration date is written in our DNA God's an amazing power, all powerful being who Job 14 4 tells us who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean not one seeing his days are determined the number of his months are with thee thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass that's tell it like it is we see the same thing in the New Testament in Acts the 17th verse tells us God, that verse 24, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is the Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made by hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing that he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9 is just one of them passages that really tell a lot. It's, it's for a vast Space of time, over, presently over 2,600 years and still going. The prophet Daniel was visited by the angel. Verse. Let's start in verse 16. Daniel 9 and 16. And I heard a voice, heard a man's voice between the banks of the Ulai, which called and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. He saw a vision. Oh, excuse me, I'm in the wrong passage. That's Daniel 8, which is the same thing. It's a good place to start. 
actually, in chapter 9, verse 22, And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore understand the matter and consider the vision. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and the prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. And the street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. Marginal note there, he shall have nothing. He, he did not receive the kingdom. Christ, of course, was crucified. He's the king, and of course, he crucified him. He rose from the dead, but as of yet, he hasn't received that kingdom, and he'll only take it from the Father. It goes on to say, And the people of the prince that shall come, that prince that shall come is the Antichrist. Titus went and overthrew Jerusalem in 70 AD. He was a Roman. The people of Titus were Romans. Man that shall come will have Roman roots. Goes on to say, and he sh he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause a sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate even to the consummation, and that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. That's referring to the agreement that the Antichrist is going to make with the people of Israel. A one week of seven year covenant, actually. And the seven, seven years, of course, is the time of the tribulation. I'm trying to get my notes all laid out here. And uh, going back over what it says, the things that were covered there in Daniel chapter 9, the reconciliation for inequity, things that must come to pass. You notice that there's breaks in the time frame. It's 77s. 77s, of course, that's 490 years. 77s are determined upon the people in the holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for inequity. That's what Christ did at Calvary. As we were told there in the book of Psalms, the 69th Psalm, Verse 4, 
They that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of mine head. They that would destroy me being mine enemies wrongfully are mighty. Then I restored that which I took not away. That can only be Christ at Calvary. As said, these 70 weeks or 409 years are determined upon the people of Israel. During this time, going on 2,600 plus years presently, they were under bondage to the Gentiles, still are. Now, they're in their land and their sovereign country, but they're not any way close to what they're going to be. They're unconverted right now. Reconciliation for inequity must be made during this time. The most holy shall be anointed. But we also read that after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. Right now, presently, that's where we are. As I said, there were some gaps in here. Why did it not list 490 years to determine upon thy people? There's actually breaks. In Daniel chapter 9, still. Verse 25, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem to Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks. Forty-nine years into the process of restoration, the building was stopped. It was halted altogether. And then eventually was funded and put back to work by Darius the Mede. The critics of Daniel say this book, especially when it talks about the world kingdoms, chapter 11 speaks about it, chapter 8 speaks about it. They said it's too accurate. It could not have been prophetic. God knows the end from the beginning. It tells us about a great he-goat in Daniel chapter 8 and verse 8. Very great. And when he was strong, his great horn was broken. That's Alexander the goat. Alexander the Great, actually, they call him. As it tells about what he done. <clears throat> he waxed great. He magnified himself, verse 11, to the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifice was taken away. Christ said the abomination of death. When you see the abomination of desolation, I believe it's in the Gospel of Matthew. Don't turn back, leave. Don't turn back to get your clothes or anything, leave. That was when Titus came to Jerusalem in 70 A.D. When they broke through, if you didn't run right that minute, you didn't make it. <coughs> That's another topic <clears throat> Messiah was cut off points to Calvary he paid for sin He's, did he eradicate sin not yet that will happen in time God allows things to go on people like to say how come he allows the evil to go on so man can get a good taste of what his sins bring
Man doesn't like, he, he wants to keep his sins, but he wants God to bail him out. Numbers chapter 11, verse 4. <clears throat> and the mixed multitude that was with him, this is the, the children in the Exodus, fell all lusting. They wanted flesh to eat, and the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in G Egypt freely, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, and the onions, and the garlics. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this man before our Lord. Now, you remember when I made reference to that onion sandwich, light bread. That's That's basically what they were saying. We want the cumbers and the leeks and the flesh. God knew well what their diet needed to be and what it didn't need to be. He formed the body. Verse 32. And the people stood up all that day and all that night and the next day, and they gathered the quails. God sent them the quails. He that gathered least gathered ten omers, and they spread them all abroad for themselves around about the camp. And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord smote the people with a great, very great plague. God knows what man needs. When man has his wants, we're better off going with needs, I guess. It's a small thing for God to send them quail, but he proved that he he knew that what their diet needed to be. The, the sons of Jacob sold their brothers into Egyptian slavery. He gave them a taste of what that feels like. He sent them all down there, and they became slaves. They made their brother a slave. He made them a slave. I mean, we're talking about how God deals with sin. They, they got into idolatry, bad into idolatry, really. They were worse than the heathen that God cast out before them. So he sends them into Babylon, the, the bad birthplace of idolatry, and lets them live like the Babylonians for seven year, 70 years. After all, they had profaned 70 Sabbaths, 70 years of Sabbaths before that which is 490 years. They crucified their Messiah and set free a murderer. And what's happened? They said, His blood be on us and our children. And that's exactly what they've had for 2,000 years. That's the way God deals with sin. He lets you have your fill of it and then uses it to bring you to your senses. Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 5, verse 11. This is talking about the strange woman, the bitter end of and it could be used to tell the bitter end of sin. 
And thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and body are consumed and say, How have I hated instruction? And my heart despised reproof. And have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to them that instructed me. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation of the assembly. I read sometime about a man who was out in the dark, bit by a poisonous, venomous snake, repeating this. How have I hated instruction in my heart, despised reproof? You know, that's the thing we always need to ask ourselves. Do we hate instruction? There's people that you tell them to do something that they need to do. They get testy about it. That's pride. God judges such. We can only imagine the evils of the coming great tribulation. Man wants to have the good things that the Lord sends, but don't want to be under the lordship of the Lord. Zechariah chapter 14. Let's go to the book of Matthew and go back two books. Malachi 14. Excuse me, Zechariah 14, not Malachi. It says, Zechariah chapter 14, verse 1, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and they and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. When you see spoil, that means somebody's trying to take somebody's goods, which is exactly what Russia and a lot of the northern places of Europe would like to get out of Israel. They want the Dead Sea minerals. And you know, there's no telling what gold. I mean, we're talking Jews here. They they know how to take care of wealth. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. That's all nations. That's us. And unless us is no longer here, which is a possibility also. And the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished. That's speaking about the Battle of Armageddon or about that time. Could be the battle of Ezekiel, but it's end times. Half the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. That's Armageddon there, for sure. There's numbers involved with all these things that we've been looking at. Our days are numbered. The 77s are numbered. And we made mention this time we were studying, we looked at this, I think, last week or week before, as it says there in the Gospel of Luke, the 19th chapter. Christ made a strong emphasis on that particular day. Verse 42 if thou hadst known even thou at least in this thy day which things belong to, unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee about and keep thee on every side. That was 70 A.D. Titus. 
and shall lay thee even with the ground. As Christ said, not one stone would be upon another. All these things are to take place and either have or will finish taking place during these 490 years. But one would say it's been a lot. It's been 2,600 years. It has. But there was two breaks. One is after the 49 years. The other is after Christ dying at Calvary, the 2,000-year era of the church, which the prophets didn't see. It's looking at the future in uh, Zechariah chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. <clears throat> and it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication. And they shall, shall look upon me whom they have pierced. No doubt who that is. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Upon Jerusalem, the tabernacle, or anointing the tabernacle, actually as Moses anointed the tabernacle when he finished it after the Exodus. That's in Exodus chapter 40. Nothing was said about Solomon anointing the temple that he built. This is a tabernacle that Moses built. It was anointed. Anointing means set apart. That tabernacle appointed to Christ. The one temple that Herod built, nothing said about it being anointed. Those things weren't set apart. They were destroyed. Not one stone left upon another. Herod built it, and they seek to build another one presently if they're not already trying to build one over there. We're talking about the Millennial Temple, <clears throat> which, which we read of in Psalms. Psalms chapter 48. <clears throat> This is the city of David. This was not part of that Roman garrison there. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. That's what the Antichrist wants to rule from. That's where the Lord will rule from. Upon the... Like I say, well, Isaiah chapter 66, before I get ahead of myself. Isaiah 66 and 8. Who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. This is what some refer to as the budding of the 
fig tree. Nation was born in a day, 1948, May the 28th, I believe, was the day of it. That generation shall, some people will be alive from that generation when the, these things are all brought to fruition. Getting back to number chronological, chronology of scripture, Daniel wrote about 539 before Christ. And Daniel, we know, lived to be like 90 years old. The proclamation to rebuild was in the, the days of Cyrus, 537 B.C. The exiles began to return about that time. They started hindering the work Tobiah and Sanballat in 534. It didn't take but a few years. They started. They actually brought the work to a halt. Our tax Xerxes ordered the work stopped. Then they found a letter where it was to be rebuilt, and then it was by Darius' decree resumed and eventually finished. Everything fits in the time frame. That day there in Luke chapter 19, 483 years before that, taking away the break when the, the work was stopped, you have the exact number of years going by the 360-day year that the Jews went by. The Jews were very strict the way that they copied down numbers and letters. I mean, give you some examples how particular they were. It must be prepared for synagogue use by a Jew only. Only a Jew could be a scribe. Must be fastened together, taking from skin from clean animals like sheep. And it had to be fastened together with strings made from that same animal. I mean, I'm talking about the rings, the binding, and all that. It all had to come from the same animal. The, the ink it was a very specific kind, had to be fresh. The lines had to be placed on the, the scriptures for, or parchment first. Then the words were written in. The length of each column could be between 48 and 60 lines, no more, no less. If three words were written without a line underneath it, it was considered worthless. The ink was black, prepared by special recipe. It couldn't be uh, one person had to write it. And when that person wrote it, the name of Almighty, he had to take up a fresh pen, bathe himself. I mean, there's a lot of strict laws. No word or letter could be written from memory. The scribe always must look at the word and pronounce the word before he writes it. The space of a hair of a thread must intervene between each consonant. I don't believe any vowels were permitted. The space of nine consonants must come between each section. No word must ever touch another. 
The fifth book of Moses, the last of the Pentateuch, must end exactly with a line before copying. The scribe must wash his body. While copying, the scribe must only write the name of God with a pen newly dipped in ink. Each time the scribe came across the Hebrew word for God, which is Yahweh, he had to wipe his pen clean and had to wash his body before he could write it. Should a king address the scribe, I mean, somebody with the authority of the king, if the scribe was writing, he must take no notice of the king. In other words, you disregard the king. If a sheet of parchment had one mistake upon it, it was condemned. If it had three mistakes found on any page, the whole book was condemned and destroyed. Each scroll had to be checked within 30 days of its writing. Every word and every letter was counted, and that number was written on the page, with the first, middle, and last included. We read in the book of Hebrews. I mean, you think about the book of Hebrews. It was written that we would understand the Hebrew language. I tell you, without it, you, nothing would about Scripture would make sense, especially in the laws, how Christ had to fulfill the law. In Hebrews chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 12, For the word of God is quick and powerful. Quick means alive and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, the Word is also the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows the heart. Nobody else, period, knows the heart like He does. At the time the book was written, Hebrew book of Hebrews, it was 78 A.D. The only scripture that they had at that time was the Old Testament. I mentioned, actually, we already looked at Job chapter 14. Chronological, from a chronological standpoint, it, Scripture is impeccable. In the, getting back to the 70 weeks, 77s, what's determined upon the people of Israel shall be brought to pass, and some of it already has. But right now we set at that break that's been going on 2,000 years. There is a six-fold purpose of the 70 weeks of Daniel. All six of them concern the people of Israel. The first three are negative, Speaking of, uh, speaking of undesirable matters to be removed, the last three are positive. To finish transgression, it's single, not plural. Christ did this, of course, put away the sin. But the trans, great transgression that brought about Christ's death was the rejecting of the Messiah of the people. We're told in 
John's Gospel, the first chapter, he came into his own, and his own received him not. The Jewish Sanhedrin, which is the court of their high court of their day, delivered Christ unlawfully. Uh, actually, went against their word, so they were guilty. The people said, "We have no king but Caesar." They were guilty. And as Christ told Pilate, "He that delivered me unto thee, which was Judas, hath the greater sin." But Pilate was not left innocent and they said to his blood be on us and our children that's when they crucified the lord of glory to make an end of sins that's also part of this this 490 years For I would not, brethren, that you be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits. The blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. Now, as I made mention, they've been under Gentile dominion 2,600 years. That's going to change. And so all Israel shall be saved as it is written. There shall come out of Zion the, the deliverer. And he shall turn away the ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Also, to make reconciliation for inequity. Of course, Christ did that at Calvary. Reconciliation means to cover, to forgive, to expiate, to atone. As said, Christ did this. At the end of 490 years, we've already read there in the book of Zechariah, Israel will confess their sins. When Christ returns to the Mount of Olives, the Jews in Jerusalem will mournfully receive him. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. They also which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall well because of him. And... Then shall appear, this is in Revelation 1 and 7, then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. The prophet Isaiah wrote, Who hath heard such a thing, or seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? And shall the, a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion tra travails, she brought forth children. I just read that a minute ago. Also, in, in this same 490 years, they are to bring in everlasting righteousness. It's easy to see that that's not the case today. It's a wicked world and it's getting worse. In the millennial reign of Christ, Israel will receive the righteousness of God and they will be a righteous people. Christ also will seal up the vision and the prophecy. That's also lastly to anoint the most holy. That's the last intention of the 490 years. The Holy of Holies is actually what I believe it's referring to there. That's the most holy place of all. 
if I can say this is, this is a six-fold purpose of the 70 weeks of Daniel, which is the 490 years. 69 weeks have come to pass, and we're at the break at, before the seven, 70th week of Daniel. Uh, now, as I mentioned a while ago, that passage in the Gospel of Luke, we, I think, looked at this last week where it tells us in verses 35 through 38, and they brought it, Jesus and they cast their garments upon the colt and then they sat Jesus thereon. And as he went and spread their, they, as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now, now to, nigh to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And when he would come near and he beheld the city, he wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least this thy day, the things which belong to thy peace, but now they are hid from thy eyes. This was a great day, but, of course, it was hid from them, and they crucified their Messiah. If we consider how important the seventy weeks are, those that's four hundred ninety years. It's very important. One of the most important passages in all Scripture. It's still going, and we're looking for that seventieth week to commence. When that seventieth week commences. The Jewish law will be brought to the forefront. The reign of grace will be over, which we're in now. For example, we worship the Lord's Day. Then it will be Sabbath worship, which will be on Saturday, which is the end of the week. We worship the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, and that Christ might have in all things the preeminence. Anyway, that's all we have today for concerning the 70 weeks of Daniel. We'll take up another topic next Lord's Day, Lord willing.